It's very important that we remember that what we're doing here and this thing of the Christian life, it's what we're all striving for. It's why you come on a Sunday night when Sunday night church attendance is not at all in fashion anymore. And yet there's a good-sized crowd tonight. But more importantly, you came out tonight. And why do you come to church on Sunday night when it's far from the popular thing to do? Well, it's because you're a part of something. You believe in something. And it's very important to always remember, no matter what facet of our church you are involved in at any given time, that the bottom line of what this is all about is a personal relationship with God. That's it. I, I am all for all the things that we do, all the things that we pursue. But the bottom line is, this is not about a, a mission. This is not about a movement. This is not, about, this is not a, about an effort to get people to change the way they're living. It really is not. It really is not, and I know I talk about having an impact on our city, but, but that is not the primary purpose. This is, that is not the thing that we are about. The thing that we are about now, of course, first and foremost, is to change people's eternal destination. But your eternal destination has already been changed. You've already been saved. So I'm talking about from there on. What's it about from there on? Is it about scoring some points by coming to church? Is it about pleasing, satisfying? Okay, I came to church. Are you happy? No, it's not about any about that, any, any of that. It's about you having a relationship with God. And the people that you might teach in Sunday school, the people that you might influence through the bus ministry or uh, through the, the teen ministry or through, through whatever you do, it's about them having a relationship with with God. By the way, that's very important that we communicate that to them. When a teenager, when a when a child, when an adult asks us, really, what's what's this all about? What's the point here? It's it's, it's so exciting to to see and to hear so many people that are trying to you, you know, their eyes have been opened. And they're thinking about things they've never thought about before. And they're asking questions, and they're just like, "Whoa, this is so, this is so awesome, it's so cool." Lady, at the at the, as she's walking out this morning, she's she's flipping through her Bible. She says, "I I have so many uh, questions I want to ask you that that I, I write them down. I want to ask you, and and I want you and your wife to sit down and 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 try to answer these questions for her." Man, that's so exciting. And we are in the position of guiding them forward. And it's so important that we remember, once we are sure that they understand what it means to be saved and they have put their faith in Jesus Christ, from there, it's all about them having a personal relationship with God. And can I say this? No matter where that takes them, we need to be able to trust God enough that if they connect with him, that he can take them wherever he wants to. He can take them to another church in town that preaches the Bible. Now, I'm not pushing, trying to push people out. I'm not, but, but what I'm saying is this. Our objective is not, well, hey, now you're saved. You've got to be a part of this church. We need you. 
Oh, I want them to be a part of the church, and frankly, we do need them. But that's not our objective. Our objective is their relationship with Jesus Christ. And let God take them where and when and how he will. Listen, some, some of the young people who get saved here, they're going to drift off and we're not going to see them for years. The lady sits right down here every Sunday morning. She used to come to church in the VFW and we have not seen her for years. But now every week sits right there. Why did it have to happen that way? I don't know. I'm not in charge. He's the Lord of the harvest, the Bible says. And so we've got to, re- we've got to remember that what we're striving for in our lives and what we're leading other people to is not, I'll say it again, it's not for them to change the way they're living. I'm talking about, you know, oh, you got to quit this or you got to start this. or That's not it. It's for them to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if they're going to have a personal relationship with him, there are some things that we're going to have to guide them to do. But do you see the difference there? And I didn't really mean to go down this road, but we're here and we might as well hit it. Do you see the difference there? It's not so much you're saved. You have got to read your Bible so that you can put on those, those check marks on your paper. Or you're, you're not a good Christian if you're not putting those check marks on your, on your reading schedule. Do you see the difference between that and, let me tell you, you're saved now. You know you're going to heaven. The most wonderful thing that can happen now is for you to grow in your personal relationship with God. Well, how do I do that? Well, main thing is you got to talk to him. you got to allow him to talk to you. And we're talking about prayer. And reading your Bible. So there's a, okay, I don't know anything about reading. Well, I, you know, there's a few ways you can do it. There's this paper in the bulletin that'll walk you through a few verses every day, seven days a week. Or if you want to go a little stronger than that, there's this uh, Bible reading schedule back there. And, and you can go to today's date and it'll tell you three chapters to read. And, um, but do you see the difference between that and you're not a good Christian if you're not reading your Bible every day? There's a lot of people who get spiritually handicapped because they are operating on the principle of you're not a good Christian if you're not reading your Bible every day instead of I want to have a healthy relationship with God. And so I got to talk to him. If that's going to happen, I must talk to him. And and by the way, I get to talk to him. And I must let him talk to me every day through his word. So that, that really wasn't where we're going, except let me say this. You cannot possibly influence somebody else to have a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God, if you don't know what it means to have a strong relationship with God. When you talk to God, do you most of the time have a strong sense and a strong awareness that he's hearing you? If you say, no, never, it's always just words, okay, then you have a weak relationship with him and you need to, you need to grow. It's not shame on you, you have a weak, no, it's, it's man, you got you to gotta, you gotta focus on it. Just like if, I mean, if, if, a, if it was a physical fitness coach up here, and that certainly is not me, up here talking and asking you some questions you know can you could you run from here to the back of the to the back of the building and back and would you be out of breath 
Oh, yeah, I'd be out of breath. Did you hear me this morning? I ran downstairs to, I promised some Bibles to some people. So during the hymn, I ran out of my office and uh, ran back up. And then I came right to the pulpit and tried to talk. That's what kind of shape I'm in. I was, okay, let's, uh, the ushers come and take up the other. And uh, yeah, so, so I would fail that test too. So what does that mean though? You're out of shape. What does that mean? It means you're bad and you're condemned by the fitness coach. No, it doesn't. It means you got stuff to work on. So the fitness coach tells you, here's what you need to work on. Here's how to do it. Here's where to start. And so when I say to you, when you talk to God, you have a pretty solid sense that he's hearing you. Oh, not really. Okay, then, then you got some work to do. You, you got some, some effort to put out there. So... If we're going to impact other people to have a personal relationship with God, then we've got to make certain that we have a strong relationship with God. How is your personal relationship with God tonight? That's not for you to answer openly, but in your heart, is it <laughs> not so good? Or is it, eh, you know, we're making progress. A whole lot better than it was a year ago. That's, that may be my favorite answer right there, by the way. A whole lot better than it was a year ago. That means you're growing. Awesome. Excellent. Or is it, uh, you know, I mean, is it to the place, and, and I'm sure for a few people it is, where if you're going to answer that question, how's your personal relationship with God, you're going to get a little bit emotional because you can't help but get emotional when you think about your, your actual daily personal relationship with God it, it, it you get choked up when you think about it so if you're going to have a strong solid personal relationship with God there is a place that you need to discover it's not a physical place oh it can be tied to a physical place but it's not strictly a physical location no the place that you're going to have to find is the secret place. Now, it can be a different place all the time. I, I'm not, we're not talking about a physical place here. We're talking about a time where it's just you and God. We're talking about many times where it's just you and God. Why? Because three times we read, listen, Matthew 6 Chapter, chapter 6, verse 4, thy father which seeth in secret. Matthew 6, verse 6, thy father which is in secret, thy father which seeth in secret. Matthew 6, verse 18, thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret. Your heavenly father is a God who sees in secret. Now, it doesn't mean that he doesn't take note of your service in public, but he is primarily a God who sees in secret. So I ask you, how is your secret place relationship with God? Did you this week, and this is really just a, a sort of a health checkup for all of us, did you one single time this week Talk out loud to God when you were by yourself. You say, yeah, let's see, I think it was Tuesday. That's awesome. That's great. I'm not minimizing that. So my second question is, 
Was there a time every day when you spoke out loud to God? Well, God can hear my, he can read my, okay, I I know all that, but this is about your spiritual health. And your faith is not strong if there's not a time regularly. And I would say every day, but maybe you're not there yet, but, but I would hope that a majority of us are there where every day it's your mouth out loud talking to God. So, well, you know, I try, I used to, I, I tried that and I just felt real funny. Oh, I know, because when I first started praying out loud to God, I, I was a teenager. When, when I realized if God is real and I'm going to talk to him, I pray out loud at church. Why would I pray out loud at church and not pray out loud when I'm alone with him if it's not for the purpose of other people hearing me? Do you get that? If I'm talking to him out loud when I pray at church because he's real, shouldn't I do the same in private because he's real? Now, you can, you know, I can go. Like, I don't commute on the train, but if I commuted on the train every day, I don't think I'd pray out loud while I rode the train. So I think I would probably go to a, you know, a quiet, a, a, a Praying, and, and I'm all for praying in your mind, you know, that's, that's fine. But I wouldn't lean 100% on that. I would strive to have a time where I'm in secret with God, speaking out loud to him. So, God is a God who sees in secret. What we take, go ahead and turn to Psalm 91. I'm going to have you turn to about, uh, I think, three or four other passages. While you're turning to Psalm 91... Let me just glean from the passage that we read already in Matthew chapter 6, and that is that I must learn to practice my faith in secret. I must learn to practice my faith in secret. That is an absolute must. That is a hurdle over which you must get if you're going to know God. I must learn to practice my faith in secret, and nobody can do it for you. Nobody can make you do it. It's something that you're either going to choose to do or you're never going to grow. You are either going to choose to practice your faith in secret or you're never going to grow. I don't think I have to explain this, do I? But, but I'm not talking about hiding it. I'm not talking about hiding your faith from other people. You get what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your fellowship with God when nobody's there to know you're doing it. Your prayer when nobody knows you're praying but you and God. Your praise, your worship of God when nobody knows you're worshiping him but you and God. I must learn to practice my faith in secret. Now, Psalm 91, you're there, and you know this verse. Verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Why don't you read that with me? Read that out loud with me. Ready? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that? So, once again, we're not talking about a geographic location. When you are alone and you speak out loud to God, you have entered into God's secret place. 
I don't think you're going to hear a cooler thought all day. When you are alone with God and you speak out loud to him, you have entered into God's secret place. So not only must I learn to practice my faith in secret, I must learn to live in the secret place with God. It says, he that dwelleth means you live there. You live there. Do you live? Do I live in this secret place? Do I live in the secret place and worship him privately there? And, and I could very easily go off for 20 minutes on, on private worship. And we don't, we don't, I don't want to take the time tonight because I don't want to get off track. But take the Psalms and read them and notice when and where people worshiped the Lord. I was reading in Isaiah the other day. Are you anywhere near Isaiah? Keep your finger in Psalm 91 where you are. And this, this is not one of the places I was going to have you turn. But look at Isaiah chapter number 25. Isaiah 25. And my scripture reading for that day had me starting in Isaiah 25. And I really had a hard time getting past the very first verse. Here is a wonderful statement of worship from Isaiah. Isaiah 25, 1. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. All right, you flip back over to Psalm 91. But here's the prophet Isaiah. And what you're getting there is a taste of Isaiah's private worship in the secret place. Could you, if you had to, describe for us your private worship in the secret place? Not trying to put you on a guilt trip here. Simply trying to demonstrate that maybe you have some things to work on. Do you... So I don't know what words to say when I worship, okay? Take a verse like that one that we just read and read that to the Lord. Understand that so many of your favorite passages from Psalms come from David's private worship of the Lord. Has there ever been a Psalm that has blessed more people in the world than Psalm 23? Psalm 23 is one of the most amazing demonstrations of David's worship of his God. You read Psalm 23 and you say, man, that man was in love with God. Private worship, private conversation. You, you can read, almost, we almost made our text out of one of the passages here, Psalm 31. We'll get there in a minute. I almost made that the entire text tonight. The, the, the chapter. But right before David starts talking about how awesome God is, first he starts telling God what a pain his enemies are. You know what would be better than texting other people or posting on Facebook, posting your, what was that phrase I used a couple weeks ago? Oh, vague booking about some people. You know, some people, isn't it? it you know, maybe instead of all of that, Take it to God and leave it there. 
conversations with God. You, you might be surprised that you would feel comfortable using humor with God. Now, maybe not right off, but once you get to know him a little bit better. Now, my favorite place, and of course, it's different depending on what stage of life you're in. And, uh, but, but when I, I tell you, it's weird, has been weird over the last few months is in my routine, not to wear you out with my routine, but my routine in order to give Amy a little bit of a break, we still have a a crazy puppy living in the house and uh, he wants his, he wants your constant attention. So uh, in order to, but I tell you one thing that Theo is great at is riding in the car. When he gets in the car, he's like Mr. Prim and proper. And so my routine is when I come to work in the morning, I put him in a car. I bring him here. I'll tie him out until he, the bad part of tying him out is he can reach the windowsill out back. So I'm sitting there and, and, and if I pull out, you know, an apple or some crackers or something while I'm at my desk, all of a sudden I hear at the window. And uh, so there's no hiding anything from him. But anyway, uh, why did I sell it? Oh, because I'm bringing him to work. We're in the car. And we've been in the car for less than 60 seconds, and I start talking to God. And I, had to, I have to admit, that was hard to get used to because I'm, you know, I'm thinking, the dog hears you. What does he think about this? You know? <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's strange what you, what you have to adjust to when you are talking out loud to God, what you mentally have to adjust to. But private conversation. Things make you happy. Talk to God about it. You look at something and, you know, there's a certain time, and I'm usually this time of year, I'm, I'm usually coming home after dark, but in other times of the year, I can be coming home at 8 o'clock at night, and you have to go over a little hill coming out of New Fairfield and going down into Putnam Lake to uh, my way home. And when you do, you're looking across at another uh, it's not quite a mountain, but it's bigger than a hill. It, another range in front of you, and the sun's going down. And it's gorgeous. And when I see something that's gorgeous, I just have to tell God about it because he did it. Instead of riding along and going, oh, man, that is so awesome, like I'm talking to myself. God, that is so beautiful. And thank you for putting that there, there. Stink bug. That's, I almost said, what the stink? That's what it is. It's a stink bug. I don't know what it is with those things this year. They are like, they, they won't die. They won't go. Did you see that? Or you just think I was going out of my mind? Um, anyway. Um, Lord, appreciate the stink bug. Thank you. Um, conversations, private conversation with God. Private intercession. Wouldn't it be great if you could take the names of one of these people that I've been referencing that is just so excited about getting to know God and learning their way around in their faith and just intercede for them. Go to God in private and say, God, please, please work. God, please work. You know, somebody in the church, you say, man, I'm worried about them. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what they're going to do. You go to that secret place and you secretly intercede. I must learn to practice my faith in secret. I must learn to live in the secret place with God. That means all the time. Uh, turn to, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 25. Psalm 25. And as you turn, let me just, let me say that in the next couple of verses, and, and the message is coming to a close here, but in the next couple of verses, 
you're going to see the word secret and the concept sort of blend into not a place, but an actual secret. And I don't believe at all from reading the context that I am stretching this or twisting it. I believe it's an overlap. Here's, here's the overlap, and I may restate it from my notes, but, but the overlap is the secret place leads to a secret relationship, and the secret relationship leads to God sharing his secrets with you. That's when you come to the place where you're, you read your Bible, and like every time you open your Bible, you just, wow, things jump off the pages you've never seen before. And you hear other Christians say that, and you say, man, not me. It's always just like a textbook to me. The further you get into the secret place, the more God reveals his secrets. And I am getting ahead of myself here. So Psalm 25, verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. So that leads me to say, thirdly, my personal secret walk with God is where my relationship with him thrives. You hear people talk about having a a red-hot walk with God. That's not a public thing. That's a private thing. But I'll say again, it's one of the great challenges of Christian growth because it's not natural. We are, by nature, public people. We do things for other people to see us. Our actions are validated by other people seeing that we do them and saying, attaboy, or maybe they don't even give us an attaboy. We just know that they know that, that, that we're praying, and it makes us feel better about ourselves. That's how we're built. That's the natural human thing to do. But if we're going to have something supernatural, we've got to make ourselves walk with God and let that relationship thrive in secret. All right? Turn a few pages over to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. Thank you for turning with me, and we really are coming very close to the end of the message, honestly. Psalm 31. I love this. And I almost made this my text, but I I decided to include it with these other thoughts and verses. Thou shalt hide them. Now, if you check the context, the them there is those who fear God. Do Do you just love this statement? Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Look at that. That's all of the bickering and strife that goes on in life all around us. It's everywhere. It's at work. It's, it's in the media. I can't even... I can't, some of the news shows that I used to enjoy, I just can't even handle that. You know, I just want to go, shut up! But that, you know, we have control off of that. All you got to do is shut that off. But what you don't have control is when it goes on at work. And hey, we all have to guard to make sure it doesn't go on at church. The, the back and forth, the conflict, the strife, the bickering, it will go anywhere. It will happen anywhere where people don't stand against it. But God says, 
When you've got that relationship with him in the secret place, he will hide us in the secret of his presence. He will keep us secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. It's like we're not even aware that it's going on. I actually love that when once in a while someone will, will say, all right, do you, do you know the, the, the big uh, thing that's going on? No, I don't. No, I don't because by the grace of God, my secret place, relationship with God, I just I live in a different place. And any one of us can. Not that we're not going to get caught up in it from time to time. It's going to bombard us, us at any given time. But there is a special protection here. And so from Psalm 31, my secret life with God keeps, my, keeps me protected in God's presence. Protected in God's presence. I just want to sit there and sort of meditate for half an hour on that. But don't worry, we won't. Let's go to the last passage and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Man, this is not football-related because I really don't care about these playoffs. But, man, my wheels are down and I can see the runway, and it's not even 7 o'clock, so you're welcome. Proverbs chapter 3. For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. God shares his secrets with those who have a thriving relationship with him in the secret place. Now listen. You are the only one that can make this happen for yourself. And the frustrating thing is for kids in your Sunday school class, adults in your Sunday school class, teenagers in your Sunday school class, people that you're working with, someone you've led to Christ and you're trying to help them grow. The frustrating thing is they have to do this for themselves. You can't. But praise the Lord. I I just, I'm so thankful to God that there came a time when I was, I guess, 14, 15 years old when, when when I realized this. I just need to pull myself apart from whatever group I'm with and go alone and talk to God. You know, one of, one of the best things that, that I, and I don't really know for sure how I discovered this, but I had memorized a lot of scripture. And when I went along with God and I didn't know what else to say, I would just quote God's word to him. You know, he loves that. To have his word quoted to him. So you memorize a, a verse. You memorize a, a segment of verses. You memorize maybe a chapter in Psalms or somewhere And you just go in a quiet place and you say, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, if you were in that group at the very beginning and when I said, When you talk to God, do you have a confidence that he's hearing you? If your answer was either no or a weak yes, I would begin there. Talking to God. Hey, I've never learned a a, a new language. I've tried 
It's not my thing. But I know this, that when I have tried to communicate with people who don't speak English and I practice some sentence, isn't it? I mean, have you ever done this? That, you, okay, uh, when, when I see him, I'm going to say these, I'm going to make these sounds with my mouth. And my thought is, they're not going to understand it. Why? Because I don't understand it. And yet you, you, you go and you say, and I'm, I'm, I'm reaching right now, um, shoot, Spanish, what's your name? What is it? Yeah, what she said. And I say that because I practiced it and I practiced and I practiced it and I'm going to speak to somebody who only speaks Spanish and I say those words and I fully expect that they won't understand me. Why? Because I don't understand me. But I say it and their eyes light up. Like, and I'm like, wow, they understood it. Well, yeah, because they're speaking their language. And listen, when you go along with God and you speak his word, you're speaking his language. And just like the eyes lights up of the person that I said something, in, I, I, I just randomly, I, I, I hit the mark. I said something in Spanish. And he goes, oh, yeah. Um, I believe you feel God's presence light up. I don't mean the first time. I mean after a while. You go to the secret place, you talk to God. You go to the secret place, you talk to God. And there comes a point when you go to the secret place and talk to God when you know he's hearing you. But you have to do this for yourself. You're the only one who can make this happen. I say again to to you tonight that you must make this happen for yourself. No one else can do it for you. And Christian that's been saved 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you have to keep making this happen. You need to keep the secret place fresh with you and God. So tonight we're going to do something that, shame on me, I completely forgot to do this morning. And that is we're going to open up the altar for an invitation. I, we, I gave the gospel and asked people if they wanted to be saved and, and took care of that and prayed and completely forgot about an altar call. Shame on me. So tonight, tonight we're going twice as long on that. No, we're not. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, the piano will play.